This is episode 105 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we'll talk about why finding a Christian travel community is important with Kate Boyd. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, I'm so glad that you're here because if we're being honest, this pandemic has affected our community and it's probably affected our travels as well. And with that in mind, uh, Kate Boyd is joining us today to talk about the importance of community, what that looks like uh, in our travels and in our daily lives. And I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find faith and travel resources, our ultimate travel kit. It's a great travel resource if you're traveling with a group. And then, of course, we can help you with your travel bookings. And exciting news, uh, we are working towards 100 reviews this year just so that our content is more noticeable to like-minded individuals, and we would love your help with that, but there will be more information towards the end. But without further ado, Kate Boyd is a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher. Inspired by encounters with the global church, she helps believers find and create biblical community with intimacy and integrity wherever they find themselves in location or in life. She provides weekly reflections and resources about church and discipleship with the Happy and Holy podcast and the Couches and Cathedrals newsletter. Hey, Kate, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. I am so glad to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your travel experiences? Yeah. So my passion for community actually comes out of a lot of my travel experiences um, because part of what informed um, this is the opportunity that I had with a job that I once held as, um, you know, a marketing director at a uh, Christian missions organization. And so part of my job was actually to travel to places that we worked and to capture the stories of, um, you know, believers and those affected by the ministry and the churches that were planted. And so um, it was really I would say most of my travel experience comes from that. And obviously I love to travel, so I do that otherwise. But to me, those are very tied because those experiences and seeing how people came together in community in a lot of different ways, um, you know, in a lot of different places really helped shape a lot of what I think and talk about today. That's awesome. And what are some of those things about community that really stood out to you? Yeah, I think um, there are so many societies in which um, people really rely on each other or they're much more like um, communal, even in just the way that they like live their lives and schedule their days. Whereas I feel like here in America, we're very sort of like individualized, like we all go to our houses or to our apartments and the goal is to be able to live by yourself or to like have, you know, this little space that is just yours and is your haven. And it's a lot more fluid in a lot of other places where, you know, you may have your own space, but it's connected to a lot of other buildings. And 
you know, people pop over whenever they want or people talk however they want or, you know, even churches in, you know, challenging places meet inside homes. And so like the way they interact with each other is much more relational and deep to where, you know, the communities that they have really are their actual families or their extended families and they rely on each other that way. And that's just sort of like the natural thrust of it. Whereas I feel like here we really have to push beyond that individualism um, to really allow ourselves to rely on each other and, and to build each other up. And it's really such a gift if we can do that. Yes, I really think that God created us for community. And I've done a little bit of international travel and um, places like Ghana. I just really was blown away by they weren't on a schedule. They weren't like time wasn't a factor. It was more about the relationship. And that's something I think we could all learn from. Yeah, time is much more fluid in a lot of places than here. (laughs) Yes. So your passion kind of emerged from this job for community. How do you define what community is? Um, so I guess it depends on what, what the goal is. Like a lot of things I talk about now are sort of biblical community and how we create discipleship communities. But I think the, the, the word community is more broad than that. You know, I sort of think of it as like, um, any group of people with sort of common interests, common goals, coming together and um, supporting one another and being a part of each other's lives in various ways. Like you see a lot of community arise out of, I mean, a few years ago, it was like CrossFit everything, right? When everybody was talking about that or, you know, like a vegan community or paleo, like these are all communities because they're all connected around something that they love and like building each other up in that. And I think, um, you know, we see that with our friendships that we have in our, in our lives. And so I think the actual concept of community is bigger than that. Um, And I would love to see some of that translate more into churches, which is why I do what I do. Yes. Um, Where do you see that community need in churches? I mean, I I see it a lot of places. I feel like, um, I feel like there's a lot of um, demographics or life stages in a lot of churches that aren't um, seen as much. You know, I think of like single people, Um, or perhaps some of the disabled folks or, um, you know, people like me and my husband who are married, but don't have children after we've been married for, you know, 10 plus years. When a lot of stuff is built around life stages in the churches that we have, or the churches that I've been a part of, it sort of gets tricky when you are in between those or in certain life stages for extended periods of time. Um, And I also think that we sort of see community as sort of the big thing that we're a part of in church, which I think is part of it. But if that doesn't go deeper, then we're kind of missing some of those opportunities to really be disciples because we sort of then focus on the big production of Sunday morning, which isn't a bad thing, right, to come together and to corporately worship and to learn with one another Um, or even, you know, the Sunday schools or Bible fellowships that we're a part of, or like Bible studies where we like come and learn and take in information. That's great. But community adds that sort of life relational aspect that we need. 
because I think um, discipleship isn't just learning what to believe and what to do. It's also a lot about shaping who we are as human beings. And a lot of that comes through like conflict and growth and relationships. And so if we miss making that an emphasis in the way that we structure and do church, then we're missing a lot of opportunity to make um, for God to work through the people within to shape each other and to take responsibility for each other in a in that sort of way. How would you suggest that people help change that mindset and take that responsibility on? Yeah, I think it it sort of starts I think it can happen a couple of different ways. One it can come from the top where a church um says, you know, what we actually see where we see growth has the best potential like in individual lives is through these like deeper, smaller communities. And so we want to be sort of like a small group forward kind of church. You know, you come to Sunday, you learn things, but you really then equip and empower. You sort of think of your small group leaders as as pastors, right? And think of those small group times as another outworking of church. And so you can equip people in that direction. So I think it can come from the top, but I think it would also come from the bottom. People can start their own discipleship community, like a small group or something within the church, um, you know, and ask for help and ask for resources, but they can take that ownership for themselves. And I think there will be a lot of sort of, and I think a lot of people want that. And I also think there's a lot of people who maybe don't want that, which I get too, because we've sort of put church in a specific box here. Um, So I think there's going to be a lot of sort of mindset shifting if it comes from the top. And if it comes from the bottom that way, then I think the fruit of those discipleship communities then sort of becomes the appeal. But I think part of it too is just shifting what it means to be a disciple. Like I think in a lot of ways we think of it as these certain actions or we get sort of into um, talking about what we get as a disciple and not what it costs us. And sometimes we need to talk about what it costs us because it does cost us our comfort. Um, It may cost us, you know, financially. It may cost us, you know, in suffering. And those are all things that we should expect um, and, and maybe to a certain extent welcome because it's part of the shaping process. So I think there's a lot of different things that we have to tackle, um, you know, as we shift minds and then actually equip people to do that. Um, but I don't think it's impossible to do. There's a lot of churches. I've talked to several um, church leaders this year who in the pandemic have found that they had to heavily rely on small groups to be that. And they've seen so much fruit that they're sort of shifting to that being a bigger part of what they do because they've actually seen more transformation that way than in just the sort of Sunday service forward model. And so I think it sort of, it starts working both ways. And that's sort of been one of the blessings of the pandemic is that there's opportunity to go deeper and smaller, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though it's uncomfortable and it's not what we thought or wanted. And certainly I wish it didn't take it. It wasn't, you know, in the midst of a pandemic. Um, but there's real, there's real magic happening there, you know? Yeah. Um, I've heard it said that there's kind of like three aspects that we kind of need for growth with our relationship with God. And one is that corporate worship that Sunday morning. Um, it, it's more of a refreshing of our spirit, but then you also need 
that small group because it is that relationship. It is that accountability. It's walking through those conflicts. And then obviously your personal study as well. And I think what you're saying, um, having that community kind of helps grow you in both directions at the same time. Yeah, because I think um, I sort of think of church on sort of four dimensions. There's like the vertical, right, which is us to God. There's the horizontal, which is us to others. Um, And then there's the internal, which is like the shaping of the doctrine and the practice and the person. Um, And then there's the outreach part, too. Um, And so I think there's a lot to be said there. And I, I do think that there's value in having individual study. But I think a lot of times we elevate that above community study. Um, because the reality is a lot of scripture when it was first, like people, when scripture was written, a, a lot of it was written to groups of people, right? Like we see that in the letters. Um, so they didn't, and even, you know, the old Testament books were written as sort of like a history of Israel. They weren't, and you know, not everyone can read and not everyone can digest all of this stuff. And so you, there's sort of an expectation of that being like, read, explained, studied within community. So I think there's a lot of value in making that big. Not that individual study isn't fantastic, but I think a lot of times we try to replace um, community stuff with individual. And I think yeah. we that's where we sort of get in the weeds and, and we sort of get stuck sometimes and community can help with that. I totally agree. I I guess I hadn't ever thought of it quite that way, but it's true. It was written um, for groups of people. It was written at, uh, as a conversation and often as letters. And um, so often, I, I think maybe it is because of our culture already being so individualistic, we do elevate that. And then I find myself beating myself up for failing to do my personal study But when I know that I have a friend that I'm going to meet next week, I'm more eager to read and do that so that we can have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, before the printing press, people couldn't have even had copies of it. You know, it was just like big (laughs) scrolls in a location that you had to go listen to. And so I do think that um, not you don't necessarily have to neglect. And I'm not saying don't do any personal study and don't do any personal prayer. I think that is that is all good and especially personal prayer and nurturing your own relationship with God. But um, yeah, I mean the expectation sometimes that we put on ourselves to do that all the time when that wouldn't have really been as possible for, you know, early believers um, in the same way. I think we can take some of that pressure off and also say like, maybe there's greater benefit to doing that with other people Um, I had a lady on my podcast, Sharifa Stevens, and she was talking about, you know, like, I don't like to talk about quiet time. I like to talk about loud time when I sit with my friends and hearing scripture read in my friends' voices and us talking about them together and seeing the different perspectives that they bring. Like, I think it's really, um, it was such a good reminder that that's probably a little bit more what it looked like before. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a question related to travel. When we travel, oftentimes um, we either travel with a few people we know or we end up in a group full of strangers or we end up traveling on our own. But that doesn't mean that the group we travel with actually shares our beliefs um, as Christians or shares that community. How do you see um, Christian community playing a part in travel? 
Um, I mean, I, I find that when you, I guess it depends on how you're structuring your trip, but so I'll sort of speak to two things, like one Christian community. I've had the opportunity to take some trips that, you know, weren't necessarily with the organization that I used to work for, but they have been sort of like spiritually focused in some way, whether that was interacting with Christian history or interacting with um, or like more of like a retreat where we're talking and we're doing some of those things. Um, and so I think, in, or even attending churches in different places whenever you're there. So really getting us like connecting with that, you already have that commonality. So in finding a way to like keep that going or even building in spiritual opportunities into your travel, if that's not the main part of your travel. But I also think community, to your point before, sometimes you're traveling with people who aren't like, who don't hold those beliefs as you, but it doesn't mean you can't be in community with them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We all have like different things in common. For one, you're going to the same place and you're looking at some of the same stuff. That alone can help. And even those experiences that you go through together um, are a big way that people build connection. So I just say look for um, those points of overlap and interest and build off of that because that's that's really how every friendship and every community starts anyway. With Christian community, we just happen to have one built in when we get together. But so if you search for that, then that's where you can really start building a relationship. Are you looking for a faith-based resource for your next travel adventure? Look no further than the Ultimate Travel Kit. This kit includes activities and supplies for large group, small group, and individual travel devotions. It is great for ages high school through retired adults, and it is very easy for leaders to incorporate around any travel itinerary. For more information, go to christiantravelers.net forward slash ultimate travel kit. There's always something that we can do to connect with others and... um, it's definitely just an opportunity to be intentional um, and find those common interests. And um, honestly, your first common interest is you're on the trip together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really wanting to encourage our listeners is to be intentional about being active in their faith, even while traveling. Oftentimes, that might be being intentional about connecting with Christians back home um, if they're on their own, or finding a Christian community there, or even starting one if they have an opportunity. Um, how do you encourage people to like take those steps in initiating community? Mm. So, yeah, I mean... Sort of establishing that common interest, right, Um, and desire for connecting and interacting with your faith is really important. But then I think, you know, plan in some opportunities to interact with that. Like, um, I, what is amazing about Christianity is that it is worldwide. Um, It exists in a lot of different places and in a lot of different forms, and it has for a really, really long time. So a lot of places that you'll go will have opportunities for you to interact with that, right? Um, I took a trip to England with some friends and, you know, we, we looked at, um, 
a lot of different things. Like we went to say Oxford, right? And we got to see where C.S. Lewis lived and talk about, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia together and, you know, hang out and, and see like the place where he, like the lane where he became a Christian, you know, like when he said, like, after this conversation, we talked about that. We visited a lot of big cathedrals that were there and little chapels. Um, There was like a monastery that was the first sort of like Christian point in England back when they were sending missionaries over there back before England was a Christian nation (laughs) that they are now, Um, you know, or at least established, like they've got a church, a nationwide church. Um, And so, you know, if you look, because so many places have way more history than America, America is very new. (laughs) And so just about anywhere you go, like even if you were to go to Africa, like you were talking about Ghana, that Orthodox church has been there for a long time. So if you go to say like Ethiopia, you're going to find some old, beautiful churches or Egypt, you're going to find, you know, places where stuff in the Bible actually happened. So there's a lot of, um, ways to interact with that. And I would even say around other religions, they have a lot of temples and, um, you know, worship sites there that you can sort of interact with other people's faiths. And so I would say building some of that in, that has been supremely impactful for me to be able to sort of walk where different believers have been throughout history and really connecting to the history of my faith and not just the moment that I'm living in has given me such great perspective and to be able to look back on that and to talk about those experiences and to feel what that feels like um, if you have the opportunity. So, you know, if you're on the ground with people or even when you talk about it, when you go back home, like you can talk about, you can start building these into the way that you even interact with your faith because you've seen something that you hadn't before. And that's always really fun for me. Yes, I think that um, especially Americans being so individualistic, we often, I think, kind of forget about the importance of eternity. Yeah. And in so doing, we don't, like, we're so self-focused that we forget there were believers that walked before me and there's things I can learn from them. And there's a community here in any place that we go to that we can learn from. And I think if we focus on the eternity, it makes the opportunity for community here grow immensely. Totally. And and people want to interact with you. Like the believers there want to interact with you around those things. So going to a church service or visiting the church and talking to the priest or whoever is there, like these are these are things that the believers there cherish as much as we would cherish them if we are willing to do them. Absolutely. Um what are some points that you think God has related to community? I think God designed us for community. I think you said it before, but um, I mean, we even look at the the Trinity itself, right? Is God three in one. It is one person with multiple, you know, um, going to use the word manifestation. That's probably not super great. Uh, doctrine, you know, three persons in one (laughs) entity. Um, Y'all know what I'm saying. Give me a break. Um, And, you know, so the way that they interact and, and do different things. Right. And I think the, um, the illustrations in the Bible, like when the Bible talks about community and what the church is, it doesn't really 
give a lot of like prescriptive things. Instead, it uses metaphor, right? Paul used a lot of metaphor. Peter used a lot of metaphor, you know, for family or we are each living stones. And when we come together, we're like building a temple. Um, We are collectively the bride. We are, you know, a family when you talk about those things like a kinship. Um, And so when you think about what those things mean and how dependent those types of things are on each other, like one stone does not make a building. Um, You know, you need certain working parts in your body in order to be alive and to be fully alive. Um, And you need, and you depend on all those things. And even in a family, right, there are children and there are adults and there's, you know, financial dependence and relational dependence. There's all these things. And so I, I think God first wants us to know that community is um, not optional for us. Uh, it's part of what is required as part of what we do. Um, and then I think too, because of, you know, we've talked a lot about the individualism, but I think the individualism also becomes the way that we sort of approach the needs that we have. Um, Whereas, because, you know, we're like, well, I don't have enough money or I don't have this or I don't have that. So, you know, we just sort of like suffer alone and we try to work it out in our self-sufficiency. But sometimes, you know, or most often when things have been, when needs have been met for me, it hasn't been through some miraculous thing, although that sometimes happens. It's through the everyday work of community, right? So Mm -hmm. community can be that miracle if we're willing to ask for help, um, if we are really thinking about our um, responsibility to our community to take care of and to offer help, um, and then even extend that to the neighborhoods in which we live. I mean, that was one of the signs of the early church was not only the depth of their fellowship, but how they took care of those around that the rest of society wrote off and didn't take care of. And so if we think about bringing people in and caring for them that way, um, you know, we are then being, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus and we're being the, um, yeah, we're being the miracle that a lot, that some of, some people need in order to have provision for their lives. And so I think in that way, it's not just a blessing in, in the discipleship aspect, but it's also a very real, like physical meeting of needs blessing for a lot of people. And I think we miss that sometimes when we, when we think about discipleship as just sort of the spiritual thing, there's very much a physical aspect to how we are supposed to operate in the world and take care of each other. Um, You know, Jesus was God, which is divine and spiritual, but also a physical body, right? He had needs and limitations in that physical form And so we have to remember that, you know, God cares about our bodies as much as our souls and he cares about his people and how they, um, you know, are able to manage in the world as well as, you know, how, how what we do affects their eternity. Absolutely. God cares for the sparrows and he will also care for our needs. And you're right. Community is a big part in meeting those needs. And because community doesn't happen in isolation it's in the world but not necessarily you know we're meant to be in the world but not of the world um there's kind of that 
um, and maybe we've kind of been focusing on it today, that in in reach point where we take care of the needs of those within our community and we care for them and encourage them. But um, you, you were kind of talking on that too. There's an outreach aspect where when we're in community, you don't, our community isn't in isolation. We get to go out and share the gospel and care for the needs of those around us outside the community as well. Yeah. And it's through the community that we have more resources to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if we look at it individually, we're like, Oh, I don't have anything to contribute, but you do. And especially when you are combined with other people. And so in that way, the community operating within the broader communities of the world um, you know, becomes a force for good if we let it be. We could all use that encouragement right now that the, that as a community, it is possible to do good. And I know so much politics and just kind of, you know, Satan has been working in our world and uh, trying to just tear people apart and separate them over all kinds of things. Um, but we have the blessing of knowing who the victor is in the end and of a greater community at the same time. Yeah. To your point, you know, at the end, we know who has the victory and we know what the end goal is. And that's um, the redemption of the whole of the earth and humanity. Right. And it it will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so it's part of our job now to be working toward that, to evidence that that will be a thing, you know, to be like, hey, there are these great things that are to come. And we have responsibility of stewarding toward that mission and vision now in the present, um, which is like really exciting. You know, if you've ever been part of a team that, you know, was like, it's like when your team is on, like they're headed to the world series or something. Sorry, I'm not very sportsy. So this is probably (laughs) a bad metaphor for me to choose, but I get like, I am, I was a cheerleader for most of my life. So I get really into like school sports and school spirit. So whenever I'm like part of a team or a team that I cheer for, um, you know, is on a winning streak. Like it's really exciting and to like be in a stadium with other people and cheering. And that's sort of like what I feel the call is for us now. It's like, we're here and we're cheering on, um, you know, the coming new creation, but we also get to participate in it and try and not try to bring it about like in the sense that if we do things, it will force that we know we're going to get there, but to put the evidence of that forward in our lives now so that people can see what it will be like to live by that and to live by the care and the redemption that we will see in the future. Um, and if we live in that now, people get, you know, it's it's a compelling, it's compelling when people are actively working for the betterment of the world. Amen. Um, well, Kate, we've enjoyed having you on the show. Is there any other points that you want to make before I kind of ask my final questions? No, this was really fun. Well, thank you. Well, Kate, we always ask our guests, what has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? Oh, I think um, it kind of goes back to some of the things that we've mentioned earlier. And I don't know that it's one moment specifically, but kind of the culmination of what I've experienced. And that's just sort of like seeing the various ways that God has been at work or hearing the different stories and like sitting with different people or worshiping in different kinds of churches, um, you know, whether that's in someone's living room or on a plane under a tree or in a giant cathedral, like the different ways that God is at work 
um, you know, if I think about it for half a second, I start crying, like getting teary because it's really just, it's incredible to be part of a historical um, legacy that is continuing and that it's global um, and that it has this flexibility to show up in all these different ways. Um, and each of those, it's like beautiful and redemptive and glorifying to God. And I just get really excited about that. <laughs> yes, God definitely has blessed us with a bigger community than we will ever truly know until we get to celebrate with God in heaven. And won't that be so fun? I, that's like my favorite. When I read that verse in Revelation, like I just, I get so pumped having worshiped with people around the world. Like y'all don't even know how amazing it, like that feels to like see all these different people come together. It's, it's going to be really great. Um, that's one of the things I'm most excited about. <laughs> oh, yes. Amen. Okay, Kate. Well, we have really enjoyed having you on the show today. How can our guests connect with you outside of this episode? Yeah. So um, my website is sort of the hub for everything um, at kateboyd.co. Um, and you can listen to me and my guests and my friends um, over on the Happy and Holy podcast. And you can find that on all of your major podcast players. Um, and then I have a newsletter that you can connect to called Couches and Cathedrals, where, you know, I talk about what church looks like and what discipleship looks like and community looks like, um, you know, how to build that deep community. And you can find that at kateboyd.co slash newsletter. And then I hang out, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram at kateboyd.co and Twitter um, at the Kate Boyd. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to have all of that in the show notes below so you guys can connect with Kate. And Kate, we have really enjoyed hearing from you. Thank you so much for encouraging us in community. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you have been encouraged today and inspired to be intentional about your Christian community. Uh, we are trying to be intentional with CTN, and we really have appreciated Kate's input but we'd also love yours. If you have ideas about how CTN could better serve you or help you grow in community, um, whether you're traveling or are planning your next travels, um, we'd really love that. Additionally, if you like this episode, episode 68, Creating Christian Community, where I outline what God says about the importance of community, some places to begin to look for that community and how you can be intentional about growing and maintaining that community, um, that's a great place to head next. And that'll be in our show notes. Additionally, in the beginning, I mentioned that we're working towards 100 reviews. And um, our goal by the end of the year is to have more people exposed to our content. We thank subscriber Psalm 53.6 for leaving us a five-star review that said, it's so great to see a podcast devoted to Christian travel. The episodes that feature guests are compelling to listen to as you get to hear the stories from fellow believers and how God is using travel in their lives. And that has inspired us all the more in 2021 to be having more guests. Um, so if you leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform, please send us a screenshot and we'll give you a show, shout out. Or go ahead and share this episode with some friends and encourage them to also leave a review. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.